Commanders, and welcome to episode 106 of Lave Radio, the show that talks about the universe of Elite and the fantastic community that surrounds it. I'm your presenter tonight, I'm Alan Stroud, and joining me in the Orange Sidewinder for this episode are Colin Ford, who has had one awful day today. How are you doing, Colin? You all right? <laughs> oh, it, it's, I, I am fine. I just had to clean out a rabbit hutch, so basically I've, I just felt that I've been in rabbit shit all afternoon. Oh, bless <laughs> pardon, you. Pardon and even, even there at you know 8.30 in the evening, you're already, obviously, weary of the world. That, um, <laughs> I, you know, occasionally you have a little bit of a world-weary voice, but um, tonight it is particularly world-weary, so um, I'm, yes, you I, know... I'm, I'm, in honour of Alan Rickman, I'm trying to do the best Marvin impression I can come <laughs> up with. And also in the Orange Sidewinder this evening, we have Ben Moss Woodward. Ben, how are you doing? You're right. I'm broken after the weekend. <laughs> yeah, you said that earlier. What What were you doing this weekend? I basically, we we have a young commander en route, and I was basically rebuilding two and a half bedrooms. Ah, okay. Well, congratulations then. Congratulations are in order. So yeah, no, absolutely. I mean that that is one of the things I do remember. When I bought this house, having to destroy a nursery uh, mm. because somebody else had <laughs> built a nursery, so I spent I spent about six weeks turning it back into an office. <laughs> Obviously, going the other way, but you know that's that's that sort of as, as things are. And also with us, but uh, intermittent, I believe this evening is Grant Wilcott. Hi, Grant. Hello, hello. Yes, I'm just back pulling levers and pressing buttons. Okay, you know, obviously, anybody that's worried about you, then. Um, we're even more worried because <laughs> obviously you're in charge of the levers and the buttons. Yeah, <laughs> hello. As yeah, long as yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. docking the ship, we're okay. <laughs> as long as long as no one hears him shout 88 miles per hour, I'm sure we'll be fine. Um, so okay, and we're we're essentially we're doing is what we usually do. Uh, one or two of us are hanging out in game uh, over at Lave Station. You'll be able to find us. We're in the IRC chat channel. Uh, hashtag Lave hyphen radio which you can access through the live radio page as well so yeah um it's interesting for me so uh with the fact that as most people know i don't have a lot of time to play elite dangerous at the moment so you guys are going to take me through what appears to be an absolutely jam-packed agenda this evening we appear to have all sorts of stuff to talk about it's the kind of thing that if I think back to when we were covering development before we had a game to talk about, we would, you know, th- this is this is sort of the, you know, manna from heaven. We'd have so much to, to sort of speculate and discuss on. So it should be very interesting to go through some of this. Uh, in addition to that, to, to give you guys a bit of an idea of what I've been up to. Um, so I'm currently working on uh, well, I'm working on Chaos Reborn with Julian Gollop, and now I'm working on Phoenix Point with Julian Gollop as well, having 
been out to Bulgaria uh, a little while ago, um, and uh, we're currently chatting about sort of the, the stuff that's going to be happening with that. And I'm also on a, a little research break from university to finish my PhD, which started with Elite Dangerous um, and then has continued on with Chaos Reborn and hopefully can get it submitted this summer and then I can kind of get a bit of a life back and maybe trade some Lavian brandy or something, you know, uh, or actually land on a planet and drive around in a buggy. That would be really nice. Okay, so let's go into the development news then. So we're going to start with newsletter 121. Uh, which is the latest newsletter. And this came out on Friday. Now, the details here are, wow, I mean, there's loads. And we're starting to get into some of the sort of little bit of wish fulfillment, really. And I'll explain a bit about that as we go through. So just to start with, gents, can we go through the sections of the newsletter as we're, you know, from the top and just take them down a little bit. Not in, you know, obviously not in boring detail, but um, just pick out some highlights for me. Ben, what do you see as highlights to start with from the top of the newsletter? Obviously be helping if I actually unmute my microphone. Yay. <laughs> so the top of the newsletter would be obviously all about the missions. And I think, you know, we've got for, we've actually got the screenshots of what our new mission is going to look like. And obviously, front and center, we've got people, and they have hair. I, th- I think that has to be the most important thing. <laughs> our, our commanders who are talking to us have hair, so we're not all bodies in space. We've got people with dreadlocks. We've got someone who's looking very windblown. Yeah, I mean, there's two yeah. things. Two things here in this section that you've, uh, you know, this is countdown to beta part two, and it gives a little overview at the top, and then it goes on down to talk about missions. Now, there's two things that immediately stood out to me was uh, they, you know, the mention of loot and crafting, which, you know, we, to be fair, much as there was a lot of discussion very early on in the development cycle about the nature of crafting and the nature of, of you know, destructive uh, games, constructive games, and how that changes playing styles for different people, it's it's quite clear that the nature of the player base related to elite, the majority of the player base related to to elite are builders, you know, in that they are using all the tools they can to, to build, you know, essentially they're, you know, they're, they're building up stack piles of money. They're building, you know, they're trading, they're doing this, they're doing that and they're, they're improving ships. So the, the addition of more crafting tools, I think is, is going to be, you know, manna from heaven for people in that regard. And obviously that talks a bit later, but then what you said about faces, Yes, faces. Oh, isn't it great to have some faces? Well, it gives it. I mean, it's a tiny little thing, but it, it is gives it personality. Yeah, and, and you know, these are basically what I guess back in Alpha we were talking about the tier one and tier two NPCs. Yeah, yeah. These are the these I guess would be the tier two, maybe the tier three NPCs, where you know they are persistent. We do build up reputations with them. They do have opinions on us. And by the sounds of it, some of them will get downright snooty. snooty. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, there's a nice um, variation here. I mean, I obviously, as you move through a database and you've got um, some kind of uh, character generator, and I'm assuming some of these are coming off of, you know, the same thing as the commander generator and what have you that we're going to see later in the year. Um 
as you as you start getting a character generator, then I guess you can have a lot more variation in terms of ethnicity, culture, you know, everything related to, to the different characters. And I was quite, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll hold my hand up here, I was quite critical of the power play characters because they're not representative. They're, they're a fair cross-section, but they're not representative of the sort of ethnicity of the world, as it were. And I, I did a, an article that compared the ethnicities of the power play characters to a sort of a, a good cross-section of, of world leader ethnicity in in 2015 2016 and i think here already you know the opportunity to have more faces gives more of an opportunity to have lots of different people and i you know i welcome that i think that's that's a really really good thing i'd like to see more representation via the npc route of every possible type of of person within the game i think it's i think it's really important i think it's certainly it's something that a lot of science fiction and fantasy across different mediums is moving towards they want a greater variety not just of which country do you come from but also what type of person are you you know and 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 kind of you know different body sizes different capabilities all sorts of different things you know you want to see people represented which i think is you know is a really nice thing to to have happen so hopefully this is a start of moving towards that isn't it i hope it's the start of it but i'm just wondering will we also see you mentioned different body types yeah. But will we see, oh, what was that show on, sci- on the Sci-Fi Channel with the Belters and Earth and Mars? The Expanse. Yes, was awesome. the, was it the, yes, the Expanse. But one yeah. of the things that they had was you had all these people who spend all their time living in low to zero G. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. they're a lot taller. Yeah. They're a lot thinner, a lot more brittle bones. Yeah. I would love to see, and it would be awesome if we can see, effects like this coming up in the game as well. So you got someone who's been brought, born and brought up on a 0.1G world versus somebody who's born and brought up on a 345G world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Lorraine McMaster Bujold is probably the best science fiction writer um, that you will, you will ever find who deals with this specific subject. She basically, she's a whole series of books. And, you know, some people say that she has a particular style so they're always you know sort of a, of a particular type which has a whole series of books that deal with um the way in which the human body changes based on gravity based on conditions and so on you can kind of you know if you're a, a nostalgic old school science fiction uh reader you might think of Anne mccaffrey there are a few books that Anne mccaffrey wrote that deal with heavy welders and you know and they were kind of a bit more heavy set but that's kind of that's kind of diet coke this sort of thing really it's quite quite you know sort of diluted uh, diluted fair Bujold is really is the you know is the sort of uh, key thing for that also uh, Pat Cadigan who I met uh, last year um, Pat Cadigan did a, a fantastic story called the girl who went out for sushi which is all about uh, adapting body type it was about a colony around Jupiter and they basically they turned into you know they basically had very advanced plastic surgery to turn themselves from human form into into sort of like floating clouds and floating sort of um fish types so that they were better adapted to the environment but kept their, their consciousness you know that kind of stuff is cool you know it really really gives you all sorts to play with i know frontier want to to sort of stay around the, the sort of the human physiology as it were but it would be really nice and i i totally get what you're saying it'd be really nice to see that kind of inclusiveness 
you know, and also perhaps cybernetic enhancement, you know, people who've, we've, we've heard in escape velocity with, um, Kernick, uh, Kerlick rather, um, with his, you know, his sort of cybernetic enhancements and what have you be lovely to see that kind of thing represented too, wouldn't it? Well, we did see that. Sorry, Colin. Go ahead. We did see that picture of the engineer with his um, exosuit, didn't we? Yep, yep. What were you going to say, Colin? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, uh, I did think it would be a bit strange. I mean, obviously, any cybernetic enhancements would be, obviously, to give yourself an advantage, I would have thought, because I I would have um, thought that medical procedures at this point would be that advanced that you could just regrow parts of body uh, of the of your body that uh, happens to drop off in a in a firefight so you know yeah that was part of that was part of some of the briefings fairly early on actually in terms of printing organics um so actually yeah the the character of the elite dangerous universe is that that people can correct quite a lot of conditions but there, there are obviously, you know, there are still a few out there. And I, um, Darren Gray's story obviously portrays one. And similarly, where you're in low-tech worlds, mm. you know, that's still something I think that, you know, you can create a distinction, you know, create quite a characterful distinction rather than just a number on a page. And I think this is kind of alluding to what Ben was talking about, where how much having a face makes a difference. You know, having a picture of something makes a difference. Mm. So if you, you know, if you've got a particularly lawless society um, or, a, you know, a low-tech colony or something like that, and sort of seeing some of the differences related to that, um, you know, handled, handled in the right way and, you know, and, and portrayed correctly. But, you know, it would be, would be really interesting to create a bit more character towards, you know, a bit more soul towards uh, some of these things. Certainly, that's I think one that, of the... Yeah, yep, that, that, that was that was one of the things that I actually enjoyed in Frontier over yep. uh, its follow-up first encounters because basically you had little pictures of the mission givers yep. uh, or the police whoever came up on the comms panel and that seemed to work as opposed to the the, the live video which let's mm-hmm. be honest didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you know, there's a variety in in different games where you know, where character starts to, you know, you, you feel ownership, you feel connection. I, I mentioned, you know, I'm, I'm obviously working with Julian at the moment. And one of the things I'm doing in between managing to critique and edit some of the stuff for the PhD is, is get a couple of rounds of XCOM in and, you know, the ownership connection to characters with, with that is really interesting. The, even, you know, even the NPC characters, you know, when someone's giving you a mission briefing and so on and so forth and the, you know, the hidden, hidden guy who, who manages the, um, uh, the world council and so on. So, you know, it's all, it all gives you a sense of, you know, belonging and being part of what's there. And, uh, so yeah, so anything that, that starts to cut against the impersonality of elite dangerous, I think is a good thing. You know, we, we get that essentially you're not the hero in the story, you know, you, you, you might be the hero in front of your own computer, but we get that you're not, you know, you're, you're quite insignificant in this galaxy and we get that and that's, that's fine. But yeah, bringing, bringing some, some sense of, uh, connection in terms of you being connected to people in the game is, is, is good. I think it's really good. 
mind you, I mean, it all. I mean, this is all very nice, and uh, I'm all for the the whole remodeling of the bulletin board. However, if the missions behind them aren't up to snuff, then it's it's going to be a lot of people just getting all sniffy about it. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you because I mean, one of the things that that kind of you know, um, if I've got a little bit of time and think about sort of going back up and. Uh, getting into the loft to go and uh, go and play a little bit. One of the things that you know that immediately makes you worried about it is the dead end <laughs> missions and the kind of going out there and, and almost wasting your time, you know. And that that is a problem, you know. And I think I think that's gonna gonna remain a problem until some of that mission system is is revised and, and worked on. Well, I mean, this, the the mission system is supposed to be revised in this this particular uh, update. So right. we're, we're hopefully looking for uh, missions which chain better, missions that will have a better impact on, mm-hmm. on, on uh, both not only your reputation but the faction's reputation that you're running with. And of course, that's got a knock-on effect with any engineers which are aligned yeah. with that faction. But um, I do like the fact that we're, no, we're now going to get more than just money yeah. as rewards. Yeah, that's that's a nice twist, isn't it? You know, it would be nice to see uh, a little bit of different commodification. Um, I think I think any method by which you can create a different way of keeping score is a good one, uh, because if it all comes down to cash in the pocket, then you know it's it's a bit bland, isn't it? You know, if you if you've got some way of getting rarities or getting things that you couldn't get otherwise. I mean, we saw a little bit of that with power play, but um, uh, I think you know, you know, with the unlocks. But I think yes. more of more of that kind of not necessarily unlocks of items, but more of that kind of donated uh, sort of things. You know, even ones that don't have don't seem to have an effect, but then you can later on they play out as narrative. the The whole premise of the Dark Wheel obviously has that with accidentally tra- transporting Thargoid larvae. You know that kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> which and you know, and we can think of tribbles, and we can think of, you know, the Barnacles. other bits and pieces. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can, you could, yeah, anything that gives an opportunity to create story for the player, um, I think is good. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be. I, I think everybody is, um, including people who's using. Is I mean, the missions aren't just for. Um, uh, Horizons users. This is an upgrade that happens over 1.6 as well. So I think everybody's on tender hooks thinking, right, I hope they've got it right. Absolutely. Okay, so let's go on down the newsletter a little bit then. Um, so it's talked quite a bit about reputation and, you know, and some of the other bits and pieces related to that and illustrating the impact of missions on the galaxy, which is nice. You know, getting an idea of what your because I mean, we know we're we're you know we're sort of insignificant fodder, as it were. But getting an idea that that you have had some kind of effect would be you know is always useful to anybody that's there. So yeah, so you know, so that will be good. Now they've talked about changing visuals for missiles and torpedoes here. So what are your thoughts on this? Well, they're, they're doing more than changing the visuals on those things. Okay, they're becoming far far more deadly. For instance, if you get hit by a missile, you now get splash damage. So if there's any external modules mm-hmm. uh, that gets hit, 
close oh, to yeah, the point yeah. of impact, they get they take damage. So a couple of missiles up the tailpipe can take out your engines. And it says thus making them effective disabling weapons. Which exactly. Course, we've been talking about this, weren't we? You know, the idea of changing the duel to a situation where you're, you know, a highwayman situation, a role-playing situation, something where, yeah, okay, it's a little bit of PvP, but the other guy takes you, you know, takes you down and then starts to, you know, to sort of effectively try to get you to, um, to give him something, give her something so that they'll go away. That sort of dynamic starts to become much more potentially possible you know, when you when you make disabling mechanics much more prevalent. So really hoping to see that that will, that will come about in terms of what they're doing. Yeah. Okay, yeah. what about... Uh, sorry, you were going to say, Colin? Yeah. No, no, carry on. I was going to move on to ice mining. So these, you know, I have to say, one of the things I did manage to do a little bit of, uh, you know, when, when, when last I played, was actually get a little closer to some of the, you know, some of the ice planets. And they are pretty. And, the, you know, in the rings as well, very, very pretty. Having a reason to go there, having a reason to mine, you know, mine things in the ice. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm keen on that. I don't know how that plays out. How do you see that as an enhancement? Well, it's, it's, it's not going to be a major enhancement over the existing mining play, uh, gameplay, I don't think. Okay. However, because it's a new commodities, which are probably going to be linked mm-hmm. with the engineers... I think anything that gets you into parts of the game which takes your breath away, mm. which you must admit, when you go and go and see the uh, the actual vistas uh, that they've got in some of those places, um, especially now that they're going to be putting in a special graphical upgrade mm. for the asteroid belts and the ice uh, ice rings, I, I think that that will you will get a lot of YouTube videos with a lot of people going, "Ooh, mm-hmm. oh, isn't that pretty?" And hopefully that will entice some more people back or entice more people in. Mm. Yeah, I'd hope so. I mean, one of the biggest things, obviously, is the the exploration. And at the same time, the prettier you make the exploring, the better, isn't it? Really, that's the yeah. Uh, you know, kind it's of those Kodak it. moments you need. Yeah, and you know, no, and I mean, we've my seen age. that. You know. Well, we, we've seen we've seen a lot of the, the, the sort of you know people taking. I, I, I think it has been one of the you know if I compare it to a lot of other games in my experience, and you know, and I don't I don't have that much gaming experience, but I compare it to other games. It is a game where people do take you know I mean okay we've got the screenshot ability in the you know the thing, but people take lots of pictures. They do take lots of pictures, and that maybe that's down to you know bandwidth and hard drives being what they are these days. But I think the game also, it kind of, you know, encourages that because the nature of what it is, it is discovery attached with, with beauty and, you know, and anything that, that enhances that. Obviously, it's going to kill our graphics cards, so we're all going to have to sit there and, uh, <laughs> and save our, our poor little pennies. But um, it is nice to see something, you know, something pretty and, and you know, scaled. You know that Frontier will, uh, will try and accommodate people where they can if they don't have... Uh, what is it a nine seventy nine eighty? It's nine eighty, which is used yeah. for um, Oculus Rift. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite a jump from. I think I'm on a seven sixty, so I think that'd be quite a quite a jump. Uh, I'm either I'm either further down uh, the pecking order than you. I'm on a six sixty. Well, uh, well, to be fair, I you know I played the the demo on my MacBook, and my MacBook was running a you know a, a pretty 
um, not very powerful NVIDIA card. And, you know, and then I tried to run the, the full game on it and it just didn't want to know. So, no. um, uh, I mean, demo, I mean alpha, you know, so, so yeah. Okay. Uh, right. Traffic control. So thoughts on traffic control folks. Um, Ben, do you want to have a quick thought on this? I, I love it. I mean, I think anything that adds to the immersion, which of course we all know you can't break yeah. is a good thing. You just killed a dev. You mentioned the I word. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've always liked the idea of getting in and just, okay, we're not going to have Commander Edelweiss, you have permission to dock on pad 22, mm. but at least it's going to be Commander EID or something like that. Uh, well, that's fun. Who, who, okay, Alan, who make the ASP? Uh, who made the ASP? Yeah, um, who makes the ASP? Uh, that's Lakin. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Well, originally it was originally it was called Dynamics, I think. Um, but I don't know. Is it Laken now? I think it's, it's, La- it's, it's, it's Laken now. now. Yeah. God, you put me on the spot there, dude. I can I'll, I'll look that I'll, up. You, you know these things. I don't. I just like. I do. Clients. I do. I. You know. I'll, I'll have to. Well, I'm. I'm supposed to bone up for the for the quiz at Lavecon. You know, we want to beat <laughs> Frontier and know more about their own game than they do. So, so yeah, I better I better do that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. No. Um, so I'll be referred on. to as. Lake on EID or something like that, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah is, is and then they tell me what to do. The first three letters of your name or something. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be something like that. Uh, they've managed to generate a, a decent call sign. It does make you sound, sound as if you're unique, which is yeah. what you want. I think. I mean, what I what I noticed with the, uh, you know, the the video that that showed or that that you were able to listen to some of it. Um. The use of the radio effect, it's obviously, it's, you know, it sort of echoes the kind of thing that we know of now, you know, the kind of Houston communication to, you know, to a spaceship, to a space shuttle, to a, uh, to a, another spacecraft that we have uh, today. But what it also does is I noticed that it, it allows a little bit of hiding as well, you know, to make the voice sound a bit more, um, you know, a bit more real. And similarly, it just adds another voice because you, you're fairly used to the Verity voice, you know, the, the sort of main ship voice that you've got. You've got that, um, those Tannoy announcers inside the space stations. This adds another voice. So again, we're back to talking about depth and character, aren't we? You know, which is, yep. is great, you know. So I, I do like that. I, I think there'll be, there'll be more variation, you know, which would be, would be nice. Oh, Grant's got something to say. Go on, Grant. I have no idea what you mean about adding and hiding with the radio <laughs> filters. Uh, uh, Pilot Ben, in your stinky ass, you were cleared for document pad four. Uh, oh, actually, hold on a minute. No, you're at position six in the queue. Please wait. <laughs> oh, he had to get the queue in. He had to get the queue. Grant is the only one in the world who wants us to slow down even more. Yeah, I just think if you if you if you're been out there miles out there, you know, billions of light years away, you've got sixty odd million credits worth of exploration data, and you arrive back at the station where you're going to sell it, and they're like, yeah, hold on a minute, uh, yeah, we've just got six NPCs in the queue in front of you. Um, uh, current waiting time's about fifteen minutes, and you can see the pirates beginning to amass <laughs> around you. No, I'll I'll tell you what, you've been down the post office too much. You've got addicted to standing in that queue waiting for that sign. Cabinet number four, please. That's what you want. <laughs> you well, ought to get 6,000. 
<laughs> I don't know if you I don't know if you remember from some of the early dev stuff. Um, one of the things uh, I suggested quite early on was that space station should have two entry ports. Um, one should be facing the planet, and one should be facing space. And obviously, they've got to rotate, you know. But but if you had uh, a planetary facing dock, then it, it that would handle planetary trade. Because I think the one thing we don't see is that we actually don't see representative um, uh, trade between the planet and the stations. I, I don't think that's 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 implemented at the moment, you know, in terms of what's there. Um, so I quite like the idea of there being two docks, and of course, then you know that one dock is quite busy and one dock's not so busy because the you know the interstellar dock or the you know the inter system dock should be less busy. Um, but of course, if it is busy, like Grant suggests, or if there's some idiot in a type nine, you know, sort of taking it up, then you can swing around and try and get in through the planetary dock. <laughs> cue hilarity. Cue, you know, um, sort you of. You just want to get in Winners hole, ba- Winners back hole, aren't you? Back no, I, I, I was oh, thinking. No, no, I, I no. was thinking. No, I, you know, I was thinking more of the fifth element. Um, your mind was in the gutter. My mind wasn't. Um, I was thinking more of the fifth element and the the kind of you know the taxi driving scene and what have you and the you know the the amount of uh, of traffic just creates something different you know something something interesting um, so yeah so that was that was just the the idea yes well we so far from one of our our chat people in, uh, in live has said how very British to start <laughs> with uh, and uh, yes we. We are beginning to wonder whether we need to perform an intervention with Grant and his addiction <laughs> to cues. Well, you know, it's 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 fine. He's he's obviously he's he's showing how much you know he is part of the United Kingdom, which is best part of Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, queuing. <laughs> no, really. queuing is part of Star Trek. No, Q was. Okay. Yeah, all right, all right. I'll bite. Go on. <laughs> Q was part of the wreck. Oh, just Just go, go jump in a warp field. Go on. <laughs> you, you're just having none of it tonight, are you, Colin? At all? No, no. <laughs> okay, so moving on down, we've got the Engineer Archive Experimental Modifications Three. Um, now it talks a bit more about looting and crafting here. And you know, talks about this this sort of adding to the way in which things go. We've got different coloured weapons and different coloured explosions, which is all very nice. We've got some lovely pictures of engineering bases. Um, have you guys seen Wanderers? No. Anyone seen Wanderers? That's sounding okay. like a no to me. Okay. All right. So I'm gonna post up a link to the short film Wanderers for you. And what I'll do is I'll. Um, we'll 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 find a way to to post that when the um uh, when the episode goes up on on the site. Um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And actually, when I looked at the pictures for this particular bit, it reminded me of Wanderers. And Wanderers is an amazing, amazing short science fiction film. Well worth taking a look. Uh, as I say, I'll just find it for you now, and then you can have a look. If anybody, if anybody on um, uh, is listening. Uh, if anyone is listening, um, it's on Vimeo. It's a, it's called Wanderers. It's a short film by Eric Wernquist. Um, if you want to have a look, uh, it is absolutely beautiful, and you can see that um, some of those. It's just the the dome, 
you know the dome in those pictures yes. have a ha, you know have a watch of wanderers and you'll perhaps see something very similar and you know it is lovely film anyway but um i i you know i i do look out for things that um have been uh inspired by different stuff you know obviously when the bobbleheads were originally in um uh in the cockpit i then watched oblivion and went somebody somebody watched oblivion <laughs> Uh, and yeah, you know, and other stuff in terms of, of what's there. Um, oh yeah, I mean the biodomes, they they could be taken from say stuff like uh, silent, silent running, running or yeah, yeah. or uh, even the the, uh, the some of the ships in the the latest Battlestar Galactica series before yeah. it got rubbish. But what about you know, the, uh, garden, was it the soil of Mars, something like that? The gardens of Mars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the Arthur C. Clarke book. Yeah, there's lots of there's lots of sources, and you know, and certainly Wanderers isn't uh, you know isn't the be all and end all. I would uh, Silent Running would be you know my my sort of uh, uh, throwback to uh, to the first time I, I saw these kind of things, and obviously the Eden Project and, and stuff like that. But it it just that particular shot reminded me of Wanderers. Um, so yeah, so you know, well worth a look. It is it is a very very good piece. Um, so yeah. Uh, anything else on the engineers bit and the engineers uh, bases, guys? I think that the the feedback cascade blue pew pew blue pew pew, uh, blue pew, pew laser yeah. looks like it could be quite game changing because basically that's the example they've got is attaching onto a railgun, but basically the idea is with the feedback cascade, if you shoot it whilst somebody is recharging the shield cells so they're using the shield cell bank instead of recharging the shields it's going to break them ah. and you know given what people do with stacking shield cells that could be pretty awesome if you you know i wouldn't attach it to a, a, a railgun myself but having something like that say on a multi-cannon instead would be yeah that would be awesome you just every shot could break their shield cells that's great i love the idea yeah, well, so- i think that uh, most of these engineer archives, these new weapons that have been displayed, every single one of them, all five so far, I think they're a game changer in mm. every single way. Uh, I mean, we'll probably touch on on the videos later on, but um, when you actually see the um, the kinetic shock cannon which throws people <laughs> off, I must say, I was in stitches thinking, oh, oh I, I've got people in mind already. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about it. Not only that, but can you imagine the sports day events we could do with it? <laughs> well, you know, it, uh, the mind boggles in terms of, and, and certainly, you know, once you get start getting more and more variation in this regard, then, you know, it'll be up to people to be a bit more creative in terms of what they're, you know, they're choosing to do. So, so yeah. Okay. All right. So then we've got uh, the countdown to the engineers beta live stream part two. Um, which I believe was the other night. Did anybody uh, watch? Oh, yeah. Went, went through uh, yep. the whole thing, really. Good. Was, it, um, was it good? It was, actually. Um, it, it answered quite a few questions. Uh, it reassured me in some ways, to be honest. Uh-huh. Uh, I, did, I, did, um, I did really like the different effects that, uh, as I, I just mentioned before, uh, that the, these new weapons uh, have on, on targeted ships. Uh-huh. And... Uh, yeah, it, it especially the what I'm going to call the medi cannon from now on. I mean that just that just adds so much power to a wing. So you you could end up with you know the good old holy trinity that uh, John and everybody was on about last week. 
which is an MM, which is MMOs. So imagine a big Corvette tank being supported by a few uh, smaller medical ships and uh, something else that will just zip around and, and knock other people's uh, uh, bits off. Then I, I think that could really, um, it certainly would add an incentive for people to wing up which I think yeah. would be a really good idea. Yeah, I, I mean, there is a danger to get too gimmicky there. Um, but I don't think, you know, I think what's interesting is that because we're talking about flight sim play uh, rather than uh, about FPS or about sort of third-person MMO, mm-hmm. um, that retains a level of differentiation you know, so if you start thinking about the classic um, roles that characters play in a group in, you know, in third-person um, MMO or in, in FPS, you know, so uh, heavy support, uh, sniper, um, assault, or tank, uh, healer, um, you know, ranged, you know, and so on and so forth, um, with the fact that you're essentially asking people to dogfight uh, still. That retains a completely different set of tactics in and of itself, doesn't it? Can you think of another game that has specialist um, ship types that includes flight sim mechanics? Not as an MMO. There we are. Basically, this is the kind of thing that... Um, well, I, I think there's probably going to be stuff coming in in, in the other game. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the point isn't it you know that's yeah. the point is actually it where you're trying to think about innovation and giving making your game offer players who might not necessarily be immediate diehard 30 year elite fans etc etc but where you're, you're starting to think about giving players different experiences when you're starting to think about different combat roles not just, you know, and remember, we've still got trading, exploring, other things to do, but different combat roles and ships taking up different combat roles that are in synergy with each other, that actually it becomes so interesting, doesn't it? Tactics in wings becomes very, very interesting once you start to get into that sort of area of work. And I mean, you already have it from, you know, big ships and little ships, but this starts to take it a stage further, which I think is is very interesting. Yeah. I mean... Well, I mean, do you want to go over the different effects that we've seen so far? Or? Yeah, yeah, if you like. Um, you know, do you, do you feel they're, they're things that, uh, that the listeners want to, to talk through? Well, ooh, I, I don't know, because I think everybody has actually seen these things so many times. Well, that's fair then. And, you know, so, yeah. but I do think that some of the, the additional weapons that are coming, they're, they're going to be certainly a welcome addition especially the huge multi-cannons. <laughs> I think everybody has been there going, oh, oh we, we want these, these big guns. Bigger guns, the better. Okay, all right. So, Ben, did you want to say something about upgrades? One thing which I'm slightly concerned about, slightly hopeful for, is, I guess, what people call the meta or things like that. Mm. I want that with these engineering upgrades for the to actually be a so rare slash hard to get and also so varied that 
we don't have to balance things out craziness to you know to give a a rock paper scissors um balance and it's just like it's it's rare it is overpowered and it's deliberately overpowered but you've worked for it yeah so i i don't and but i don't want it to be boring i i understand what you're saying i mean i i think back and i i think i've mentioned this on a previous show when um i first got into the uh the head-to-head pvp battles on medieval total war and where you know i i sort of came to the forum or the you know the lobby a little bit late so um completed the game came to the lobby a bit late and when i did most people had settled into using very specific troops you know and you basically they used of the tw- of the 10 or 15 different army lists they used two or three and they all had the same builds and it was you know you were thinking well this is down to one mouse click you know or down to one person making one choice this is not you know this is not very good because the 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 variation of things that's actually you know makes the game so interesting has been uh, boiled down by continual uh, head-to-head play into one or two things, and that you know that's never good. And similarly, you know if you look at Warhammer tournaments, and you know this is no no um, criticism of anyone who is a player of Warhammer tournaments, um, but one of the things that is notable in Warhammer tournaments is that whoever is whichever army you know, in, in tabletop Warhammer uh, gaming, whichever army has come out had a, a, a codex, the last codex, you tend to see that it features prominently within the next list because there's a little bit of, um, a little bit of creep in terms of the balancing. It tends, to, it tends to sort itself out because often it's a little bit to do with novelty as well. People aren't used to facing X or Y. But yeah, you you do tend to find that you know that these things can end up min maxed, and I think that's probably what you're getting at. Um, yeah, I think I think the randomness, the rarity, the you know is is important. At the same time, you know a plethora of tactics is important as well. So I mean, we'll see, won't we? We'll see what um, what people manage to do. My thought was actually was that the the leveler is the fact that you're actually flying the ship. You know, I, I, I can't, you know, I can't think of, because if you think about sort of third person MMO uh, and even FPS, you know, the way in which those things work, they don't give you quite so much three dimensional control over where you're positioning yourself and where other people are positioning themselves. Do, do you see what I mean? Yeah, I, I know. Basically, this game is Twitch based, not stat based. So, you know, you could have the biggest beam lasers, the biggest multi-cannons, you could have a thermal shock, and along comes uh, Mr. 12-year-old in the sidewinder with a couple of pulse lasers, and technically he could beat you. <laughs> it would be um, nice to see that. I mean, we, we always used to, you know, in quite a lot of games that, I mean, live games that I play and, and, and other things, your balance is that you always... Uh, worked out that the weapons of someone who started out should be able to destroy somebody who you know who's two three years four years down the line yeah okay small chance but they should be able to um, yeah but uh, well, we have seen 
humans in relatively low-powered eagles taking out humans in condors. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've oh. I've done NPCs yeah. in condors um, in in eagles, but um, yeah, no, absolutely. You know, the the right build and the right setup. There is, to be fair, there is a, a, a tactic with the the eagle, but yeah, no, it depends if you know, and and that that's kind of fairly standard. But um, uh, it depends if people have, have counted it, doesn't it? Mm. Okay. No, I, I did, I did yep. see a video not so long back of about um, a flight of four eagles all stealthing and taking out an anaconda, which was quite impressive. Is that a flight of eagles or a flock of eagles? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but uh, <laughs> yeah, one was called Frodo, and here they come. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. so moving on, we've then got uh, a countdown to the Engineers Beta live stream, and in our show notes here, Michael is looking suitably bearded. Was he suitably bearded then? His beard was gorgeous as ever. <laughs> should, should, do we do we need to devote any more time to his beard on the show this evening? Oh, I, 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 it depends on, on what Ben is is really insinuating here. I, I don't know whether Ben's suffering from his yeah, a beard fetish. Oh, I mean, we we had Michael's beard, which was something you could really grab onto, and then we had Ed with a bit of bum fluff. I see. So by comparison, it was a, you know, um, a, you know, magnificent beard as well as being a magnificent beard in and of itself. Exactly, and he, he always does sport a magnificent beard, apart from when he shaves it off for charity. And whereas, whereas Ed was perhaps sporting a, a tweaker, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah, you know, because you can obviously something you can grab hold of, handlebar, you know, something you can, <laughs> or a tweaker which you can just pinch between your fingers. Kind of, it's uh, a bit of a tickler, I'd have said. Join us next week for Beardwatch. <laughs> same time. Yeah. Same so, beard time, same beard place. Some mention about Sh- Shinrata Desra then. Okay, yeah. all right. What was mentioned about Shinrata Desra? Uh, a tease, basically. Sort of, okay. It was one of these things of, oh, yeah, and something will happen to Shinrata Desra. Okay. Oh, right, shouldn't fine. have said that. Oops, oops, oops. Okay, yeah, yeah. And you just fine. went, oh, come on. Yeah, yeah, no we're need ad- for that. We're adults. We're not kids. Don't treat us like them. Okay, yeah, fine. Um, you know, only joking. I'm sure it's fine. We're desperate to know. Uh, then you've got some stuff here about map states. I think that's probably fairly fairly straightforward. Um, that's obviously there will be are these new states going into to the map system. I think some of them are new, but others aren't. I think okay. is the uh, short answer to that. But the important thing is that, especially if you're a a player faction, you mm. might want to be looking for a system which is in civil unrest to gotcha. do things in. Or if you're looking for a war to go and you want some P- some PvP, or you're wanting to go and fight in a war zone, you want to look for a system that's in a war. This will just okay. make that easier to do. Okay. Mm. Uh, then moving down, regeneration sequence. Um, so you've mentioned here the green beam. Yes, that that was one of the engineer weapons that we've been touching on. Um, okay. Like I said, that's um, you. You basically hit one of your fellow wingmen with your green beam, and uh, basically their 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 shields go up. All um, oh, right. Okay. He was yes. me thinking you were, it was your your Superman defense, but uh, okay, fine. No. No, no, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid to say Clark Kent is, does not appear in this game. Although, if you've been following the comics, on, apparently he's going to die soon. So, there come, you go. come on, to Clark Kent, you have been told you yes. do not appear in this game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there probably will be one out there, won't there now? As well as Commander Kal-El. Yeah, Commander Clark Kent, please do. You know, get in touch with the show. 
uh, Phoenix Defire says you do not you do exist. Not exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so essentially what that does is it gives you an energy transfer, right? Yeah, basically it, it oh. powers your shields up. Okay. Um, um, we got some mention of other modules being modified. I'm, I'm assuming you don't have any details on that at this stage? No, no, not yet. We're okay, just waiting fine. for the big okay. dump of info, which was so, supposed so to be... I have a new phrase, okay? Go I on. have a new phrase for this. So people talk about Facebook and they talk about vague booking, right? Should we be talking about vague brooking? Vague brooking. Oh, very good. Yeah, I see yeah, what I did there. Yes, I see what you see what did, did there. Yeah, oh, did. dear. It's very uh-huh. good. You're here all week. Try the yep. deal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> see, well, at least you didn't sigh at me and, and act like you need to throw me off a cliff. Um, okay, <laughs> so... Well, you know, you, you, you've been been a bit, you know, been a, a little bit down tonight. You know, you sounded tired. I'm, you know, at least I'm I'm keeping you giggling. It's fine. <sighs> so Michael likes this. Can add other strategies. Yeah, that's good. We've kind of covered some of that. This bit about visual effects of weapons scale depending on power. So I thought we already had some of that. Is is that sort of a bigger thing in terms of what they're suggesting? I, th- I think it. I, I, to be honest, I haven't actually seen this. Okay. It'll be one right. of these things, but we'll have to... Hello. Yeah. See when it turns oh, up. Oh, right. Fair oh. enough. You are right. Yes, I've just seen who's firing on Ben. Okay, who's firing on Ben? Oh, right. um, Could everybody please kill Commander Simon Winard? Oh, yeah. Thank no, you. That, that would, that would <laughs> suit to me. <laughs> right, anyway. So, we'll go on down. So, um, in the details that, uh, that I hear... You've got some uh, some very very large weapons. Have then been um, uh, sort of mentioned thermal shock, um, which I think is is interesting. Obviously, that's you know you've got uh, uh, additional heat damage. Now the guys you, you guys have mentioned down in here the outfitting screen. I've always liked the outfitting screen. Was this Frontier saying that they want to do more with the outfitting screen? Yeah, I, what they've done with the outfitting screen is actually quite interesting because they've um, if they've completely ripped it up, uh, rejigged the whole thing, and it although it looks a lot more busy, it yeah. gives you it's a lot clearer with its information. Okay. And I think that the way that they've gone and done this has actually improved the way it is, how easy it is to get to the modules you need. Okay, well, that's fair. I mean, I always like the, you know, when you go to a different section, the, the camera pans around to, you know, the, that particular piece of your ship and so on and so forth. Uh, have they kept that or is, they, is that all changed as well? I think that's it. will still show the hard point relevant to uh, what you're right. buying. Right, but there's no flipping around to the the appropriate bit. Okay, but it will give you a whole load of uh, clearer stats on what that weapon is capable of, and uh, well, uh, you know, I, I should judge it when I play it, shouldn't I? That's probably the the best thing to to think I, about. Um, it called me boring, but I'm looking forward to seeing the stats. Yeah, yeah, I I, I saw that from from your yeah. squee in the notes. Um, yeah, <laughs> okay, you're boring. Yeah, that's fine. Um, uh, yeah, I, I thought you would. Uh, have you destroyed Simon now? Is that? Oh, that Simon one? is gone. Yes. Oh, good. Um, never a truer word said. Okay, so the um, in terms of you've got some mention here of navigation. So is this 
what 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 are changes to navigation that we're looking uh, to expect? Sorry, is I'm that... just about to die. Can you take it? <laughs> yeah, I mean the ch- changes to navigation. Mm. Um, that's mostly the. Isn't that the bookmarks you're referring to? I don't know. It's it's what you guys have uh, have put up in the show notes. So I'm just running yeah. down the the list. Is it? Um, I'm assuming that's yeah. So uh, bookmarking as opposed to. Uh, flight navigation, yes. Yeah, I mean, but oh, I'm not quite sure where well, not you're referring to. Okay, it's it's. I mean, Grant has Grant has said as well. It's it's bookmarking, so that's that's fine. So if Ben is is saying that in between trying to dogfight somebody, and uh, and Grant thinks that too, so that that should be uh, should be fine. Well, um, it, it saves them the amount of sidewinders you have to buy in order to work out where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Which is useful. It's, it's a nice new system, though. I mean, they, they also showed the the sort of way that you can now filter uh, for missions and, and different hot points and hot points, hot spots and combat yeah. zones and stuff. You can bring them all up to make navigating to points that you're interested in far, far easier. So it's it's a bit of an overhaul, and it looks pretty damn uh, good for finding community goals that are nearby and stuff like that. Yes. Finding, finding washing machines. That, that sounded, sounded great. Correct. Well, community goals are going to be um, highlighted on the map anyway. So, you know, that's, that's one of the new features, which it was, it, it quality was just, of life, the thing that they're on about. Yeah, it was just that Grant said hot point. I was, you know, sorry. It was, it was a cheap joke. Um, <laughs> oh, right. So, okay. I, th- I thought it was a very clean joke, to be honest. Okay. I, I, I thought it was cheap. Maybe clean. Hygienic. Um, so, what's a fourth shell then? That's the pew pew gun that lets you go and bounce people around like a in a ricochet. Ah, so that Very was fun. what Colin was talking about earlier. Okay, it is, and it looks so much fun. Okay, good. All right, so um, obviously we'll look forward to seeing that. So then we've got a few questions. Um, were these questions given to the um, uh, given to the uh, the the stream? I take it. So these were questions that were asked on the forum and then answered on the stream. Ah, gotcha. Okay, I, I don't. I don't think. Do I don't think we need to read through all of these, do we? I think we probably. I don't think there's there's a couple of interesting number. bits and bats, but there's we don't need to read them all. Sure. Um, I think one of the things I'm particularly keen on, and it's really nice that it's mentioned, is there's still interest amongst the players and the the pickup in the story about the Antares. Um, you know, I, 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 I perhaps said this a little bit before on one of the shows. Um, you know, it, it's, it always gives me a bit of a warm feeling relating to the Antares that the Antares wreck stuff is still, um, you know, running as a story in game because uh, there was some legacy attached to that from the, uh, the issues that the Sirius Corporation had with um, exploding hyperdrives um, uh, some time ago, which was material that I gleaned out of you know the the previous games and put together in one of the um uh, one of the source books that i i put together for frontier so you know it, it always makes me um makes me smile and makes me feel good that i've actually managed to contribute something to this computer game that's lasting uh when when the antares is mentioned so it was nice to to see uh to see that came up uh and it was talking about they were talking about uh points of interest and different points of interest out in in space you know uh, short, short news on that is is obviously to try and minimise human points of interest outside of human space, which I thought was was interesting. 
any others in the questions that people thought um, were interesting to pull out? Oh, I thought it was quite interesting about the, the whole, they've just the massive overhaul that they've done to the planet's graphics systems again. Mm. So not only from the screenshots, we it looks everything's looking a lot prettier, mm. but they're also apparently they're also a lot more optimized now as well. So just basically, you know, not surprisingly, they've learned a lot of lessons from the past few months of development, and they've had a chance to implement them. And so now we've got something that is both prettier and and shinier, and well, it's, runs and it's, better on computers. It's it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Really, because um, essentially, the once you've got the infrastructure in place, actually making things prettier is yeah. is an evolutionary process. So rather than you know, and, and this is not a, a a sly criticism, but rather than taking the uh, the decision to try and be cinematic right from the get-go. Uh, you know, the idea of improving graphics as your consumer starts to get, you know, better hardware, better, you know, better machines to be able to cope with this. And also, you know, having some careful legacy computing and some careful legacy programming to to try and be inclusive for, for other people you know, I think is, is a great thing. And so the prettier it can get, the the better. But at the same time, and the more optimized, you know, but at the same time, you know, thinking about the fact that, you know, your clientele uh, have a variation of different different hardware to, to manage to run your game, you know, I think is is a good thing. So, it, you know, I've never felt, even, even when I was trying to run it on the MacBook, it didn't, it, it kind of ran really, really oddly, but it never felt like I couldn't fly the ship. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, you know. Sometimes you think about you know trying to run a game on graphics that on a graphics card that maybe can't handle it, mm-hmm. and and it gets really jerky and it becomes <laughs> unplayable in that regard. Um, I never really got that, even on the MacBook when you know when I sort of tried to play, and I I kind of went, yeah, I, ca- I can't play this easily. Yeah. Uh, yes. You know, I would have worried in dogfighting, but I I could still fly the ship. You yeah. know. It's like, oh, when my machine blew up, I was, out of desperation, I installed it on my work laptop, which is some Dell working laptop rather than gaming thing. Yeah, And, yeah. you know, I got maybe 15, 20 frames a second. Yeah. And, yeah, as you say, I wouldn't be able to dock, I wouldn't be able to dogfight successfully mm. in it, but I could trade, I could fly around, you know, I could... I could do stuff. Yeah. Just have to be careful. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's you know, I think that's fair. Okay. And then anything else uh, that you guys found in the questions that you want to pick out? I'd like your story on the history of the nav beacons because you know, I think uh, Commander Dark Matter Generator was asking, saying that nav- scanning a nav beacon, scav- scanning a nav beacon will give commanders the exploration data for the system if you don't already have it. How did this arrive? Was it gameplay and was the design decision uh, thought about it since it basically changes the basic function of the game that we've had for the past one and a half years of play? Uh, Frontier has always wanted to do that, um, and it's just a case of filling in the blanks. But I'm just wondering, was there any background lore about the nav beacons? Because the actual way that they're implemented in game is like, yeah, this is just somewhere where you go to fight pirates. Mm -hmm. What's the real... What's the real reason for it? Well, we'd we discussed, and, and this was never um, 
you know, it, it was posited as an idea. I don't really, you know, and I'll, I'll qualify this because I don't really know what Frontier decided on. But I can say that Labour Revolution has a... Uh, what I did is I basically, when I, when I wrote Labour Revolution, I wrote a... I posited an idea about how communication networks worked in um, hyperspace in this, you know, in this, you know, this universe that we've got. And I posited the idea that um, hyperspatial wave communication is very expensive. You know, if you're going to send a message that is just simply, you know, going through hyperspace, so the message is going through hyperspace, that's actually fairly expensive. But what you've got is you've got an infrastructure of spacecraft that are going through hyperspace for you. And because there's continual traffic and travel, then if all the spacecraft have transponders on them, then those transponders continually update within the systems. So as soon as you come out of hyperspace in the system, your transponder triangulates with all the other transponders in the systems, and you get a download of the latest information and so on and blah, blah, blah. Now, the problem with that is that actually in terms of realizing it as a programming tool, and realizing it, you know, across a vast galaxy, it's just quite impossible. It's it's quite a nice narrative conceit, but you can't make it work because it would mean that the frontier systems wouldn't have up to date news, and the core systems would have up to date news. So you'd have a difference, you know, in terms of the way in which the you know you acquire data in that regard, and it just wouldn't, you know, you'd have to do so much work to make that feasible. Um, However, the idea of data being stored on the nav beacons, I think, is great. You know, and I think that does at least pay part of what uh, what we're kind of talking about here. Um, and so, does so for example, them. one of the things that we can now do if we've got a mission, mm-hmm. we can go and look for the guy who we're looking for, and we might the the nav beacon might say, "Oh, yeah, you'll find Commander Starion sitting outside of Lave Two." Yeah, yeah, you know, or um, positional data or um, or news report data or, you know, whatever. But I, I don't know how Frontier are planning to, uh, you know, to update the, obviously, the nav beacons beyond the exploration data. But it, it, it was it does give them a role. It gives the nav beacon a role, doesn't it? And, and I think that's important is actually it's supposed to be there. So giving it giving it more significance within the, the system, I think, is useful. Yeah, I guess we're all agreeing there. I thought Colin was going to say something, but apparently not. <laughs> uh, no, I'm afraid to say you managed to say everything that um, I I could think of. So I just oh I, sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I I just I mean, you know, it's a nice to have, and it's one of those one of those things where obviously somebody who has absolutely no concept of how how difficult it would be to design such a system comes up with a an idea. Yeah, it just you know when I look back at it and look back at thinking of it. The hyperspace transponder system and the the idea of the ships being the transponders to you know a crew news, it just wasn't wasn't feasible. You just couldn't you know you couldn't make the the game work that way because it just you know, you'd be asking the uh, you know, for so much uh, dedicated system processing time for every star system, it just wouldn't be possible. So yeah, you know it was a nice idea, but yeah, I, I think certainly having the nav beacon being a source of data, that, that perhaps pays a little bit of respect to, to that kind of communication system. I think there is one important thing that we're going to have to note that 
I don't know if anybody's still got to this, but do you remember back in, oh, the the end of Beta, uh, end of Gamma, I suppose it was, where we had the the high power laser beam or the low low heat one and things like that. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw the question on this. Yeah, go um, on. So obviously, they were they were things that you could have bought in game, and they were removed before the game went live. But I think if commanders already had them, they weren't removed out of their ships. You just couldn't buy it again. Yeah. Are you um, saying that people still had them in their ships when the game well, went live? People could have still had them if they didn't get rid of them, yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, but come engineers, they are being removed from the game and just, will, well, they're saying that these these variants are no longer compatible with engineers and will be no longer in the game at all. So I am wondering if anyone even has it. I don't know. But if anyone has, what's going to happen to their gun of low low heat generation or whatever. Commander Clark Kent out there with his low heat generating gun <laughs> after after Commander Phoenix to fire because because <laughs> he said he doesn't exist and now his gun doesn't work. It's, you know, it could be quite embarrassing. <laughs> Um, yeah, certainly, obviously interesting. You know, I, 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 to be fair, you know, I actually didn't even remember the variants. You know, when um, when I saw this question on the notes, I was kind of thinking, did they? Did we have anything like that? Or like, you know, I mean, you guys yeah. know most of most of the um, the beta and gamma. I spent my time flying around with beam lasers, shooting Colin. So you know, that was <laughs> that was all I really did. There's there's some more than size for you. <laughs> It's only because, and even to this point, you never told me what your commander name was, so I never knew. <laughs> and it's not like the, in these days where you sort of all get, oh, you're under attack. All you got was, oh, yeah, I'm dead. Yeah. Those beam weapons are great. Uh, so, yeah, so, okay. So let's let's move on down a little bit then. So we had, you know, the, the rest of the newsletter had um, uh, lots of lovely stuff. Gownet still, uh, you know, a lot more focused now. Um, Gownet focus, obviously. Uh, more, uh, more and more uh, um, pictures and everything else. And it's nice to see as well that the, the whole gradual drip, drip story of the alien sort of incorporation into Elite Dangerous is, is ongoing. I, I'm liking the fact that unknown artifacts and that, you know, things are going on. And it's not solved quickly, and it's not um, you know uh, people are people are given things to go and kind of look at and uh, and play around with. So we had the uh, you know the, the mention of authorities at Fozard Dock um, have announced the immediate suspension of all services due to unknown artifact related interference. Uh, you know it's great. It's great to see that you know it's being dealt with very carefully. In terms of that rollout, whether it's Thargoids, whether it's something else, we've no idea. So I'm sure we'll see. No, I, I must admit, it does feel like they good on Babylon 5B arc, if you see mm. what I mean. Because yep. they, used, they used to have the, the main story, which would happen in that episode, and then the B arc would be the, the, the little bits of, of uh, plot that they would have spread throughout the entire season. Yeah. And, and this, this is. This feels very much like that. You know that something's going on in the background, and it's building very nicely, but very, and more importantly, very slowly. So that um, uh, the, I think when the payoff does happen, 
that it, it will be worth the wait. I think as well. I mean, I I watched a, a Scott Manley episode the other the other day, and he was talking about uh, you know it was quite an old episode, but he was talking about going and finding the um you know the alien growths on planets and shooting them and finding the commodities and trading them and talking about how you know the space station is shut down at different times because of because of some of the problems of dealing with the the artifacts and this that and the other and dealing with the material but also the fact that there's a lot of propaganda essentially coming out saying everything is fine and then you know and then it sort of isn't which you know all that kind of stuff is great you know and and it is hard to manage that kind of story when essentially you're you're dealing with tens of thousands of people who you know who all want that story you know all want to be the center of that story if you see what i mean so you have to you have to very carefully manage it you can't let stuff just fly out you've got to drip feed you've got to you know set things up make them discovered um make them sort of slow burners as it were because you know otherwise it's it's kind of not as as interesting, I guess, in terms of what it ends up with as a payoff. Particularly if it it boils down to, you know, one intervention or one person being able to do this or you know whatever. So, yeah, okay, all right. Well, what do you think though about the whole? I guess it's the stuff that Canon and people like that are doing, where you know, we've got all these things. For example, the barnacles in game. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, on the assumption that all the data about the barnacles is already in game and Canon are basically just testing things and testing things and trying out different ideas and trying a hypothesis, disproving it, trying another one, disproving it. Yeah. How do you steer that into okay, now we're ready to for it to be released when yeah. without it without Michael Brooks coming onto the forum and saying, by the way, guys try running it backwards or something like that. Well, it's, that's, that's kind of about developing mythology. And, and mm. um, it's one of the things that actually computer games don't do particularly well in, in, in general. Um, so there are some notable exceptions. Um, and developing mythology requires the players to have their own answers. And it requires to leave the players to have their own answers rather than to try and provide answers um, or to hint, or to direct, or anything else. Now, that in in some respects, that empowers players in a particular way. But um, what's also interesting is, um, and I don't know, you know, bear in mind, my experience of this is in designing games that aren't computer games. Um, one of the most interesting things I ever had was I I wrote a I wrote a, a post apocalyptic fantasy live role playing game where couple of hundred people found themselves as sort of uh, a variety of different uh, species uh, trying to discover what had destroyed the world. And I, obviously, I'd written what had destroyed the world, and I'd written all the back history, and then I'd seeded the game environment with with clues. And one of the most interesting evenings of that, and, you know, I, I ran it for about five and a half years, one of the most interesting evenings was to sit by the fire with all those players playing their characters and just listen to their stories in terms of what had caused what and what was connected to what and why these demons attacked them here and why this demon came from and what this demon was called and why, you know, and so on. And actually, as a, you know, as the designer, 
and as the architect of that story, listening to what the players had as ideas was just as informative as my own ideas. And that's not to say that, you know, I was deciding that, oh, well, his idea is cooler than mine, so it's going to be like that. It was just about taking a sample and seeing the kind of things they were expecting you know, and knowing you could either contradict them or you could go with them and, you know, and, and keeping yourself open enough to be able to do different things with the things that you'd, you, you know, you'd seeded as it were. Now you, if you're too open, you end up with lost. Right? The TV <laughs> series that asked, you know, caused raised too many questions and ultimately didn't deliver enough answers. And we had a, a spate of television series that did that. Battlestar is another one. Colin's already cited this evening. Um, Heroes, a little bit that way, but actually Heroes gave away its own ending to start with and then just, you know, unraveled after the ending didn't live up to the ending that was given away. Um, so, yeah, you, you've, got to, you've got to balance your use of mythology. Um, and, you know, and having self-generated mythology in a computer game, I think, is, is tremendous. I love... If players are out there cataloging, testing, trying, uh, researching, sharing, that's fantastic. You know, you, you know that players are involved and they are they are creating a narrative, creating a story out of what's there. That's great. You know, um, more power to that. The more you know, the more they do that, the I mean, better. The canon, the canon thread is absolutely mental. It's a full time job just yeah. trying to keep up to date with it. And and it, you know. Finding a way to make that accessible is an interesting thing too. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna name check somebody here. Well, I, I won't name check him, but I'll. Um, one thing we did back in 2000. This is at uh, the Lorient Trust gathering. Um, uh, I, I, I didn't do you know I didn't do all the work for this, but I was head of um, I was kind of one of the plot team and head of the history and, and wrote a lot of the the backstory. We did a, an Egyptian gathering, so we did classic Egyptian gathering, and. Uh, we built a pyramid, and um, in that pyramid, on a Saturday night, they put um, some monsters that essentially could kill the players very easily. And so players started to explore the pyramid at night. You know, the pyramid is, you know, it was basically, it was, um, uh, we got the, the, the people who produced the sets for Stargate, you know, the, the TV sets for it. You, you remember all the walls inside all the gold Oh yeah, the gold. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you remember all the all the plastic and what have you. You know, the the right. all the hieroglyph stuff. So what we'd done is we'd we'd created an Egyptian language. We'd uh, put loads of stuff out in the game, lots of Egyptian characters, and then this pyramid at night was full of hieroglyphs, was full of things. There was a you know sand all around it. Um, the thing was was I don't know about fifteen feet, twenty feet high. So, you know, it was quite a, quite a big thing made with, with sort of steel girders and then clad. And um, so people wanted to go in there and explore it. And so we put these very, 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 very deadly monsters in there. And I have to say, I specifically didn't do this. One, someone else was, was in charge of this bit, but they, you know, they, they did it really well. And he only had four of those monsters in there. Four players went in. They all died. Those four players joined the monster crew immediately. So there was eight. And then more players went in to find their friends and they couldn't find them. And so there was 12 and so on. And it ended up, and, and this is at an event where there were 3,000 people on the field. They ended up with a queue to go in and die because people were desperate to find out what was in that pyramid. And they just queued up. And then one, one enterprising young individual uh, went to the side of the queue and started selling people queue places. 
<laughs> so he would go to the back of the queue, people would pay him a few gold, and he'd put them up the front. <laughs> so, you know, but people were going into this pyramid just to find things, to, you know, to um, see if there was buried treasure, to translate the walls, to, you know, to find out what was, you know, what was what was actually in there and so on and so forth. And some people lost characters and then their friends went in there and they, you know, were, were dying. So they went straight back to games control and, and generated a new character to run straight back into the queue to go back in to try and save their friends and died again and then went straight back to and so on. You know, I know one person who lost four characters that way, literally because of the, you know, the, the turnover. So this, you know, that created and that that was in 2000. And there are still players who attend that game. And it's 2016 now. I know you know it's 2016 now. But there are still players who attend that game who talk about that as being the most memorable thing that was ever in the game. That's interesting. you know. And I think when you can do things like that in a multiplayer game, when you can make people speculate and, and, you know, and spend time and kind of investigate and, and you know be curious and want to be the person that solves the puzzle i think that's just cool so yeah uh, fair play to the canon guys i think what they do is amazing and uh you know more power to you know to to generating mythology in elite dangerous if i could help if i could generate more mythology in elite dangerous i'd be well up for it i love you know all that kind of stuff and uh and it's a good testimony to robert holstock because much as he wrote The Dark Wheel. His other writing was much more about mythology and having mythology in this game, you know, is kind of a, a nice little nod. Sorry, you got me on a rant. We didn't yeah. notice. It's okay. Well, I'm, I'm under <laughs> attack, apparently. Yes, oh, really? Some, something's attacking us outside of Lave. Apparently there's a fertilizer out here. Okay. Yeah, I, I'm getting messages saying, um, business is all about respect, Commander. You crossed the wrong people. Now you must pay the price. What have I done? Let me try and find you, Colin. Hang on. Oh, now he's wanted. Right. Now I can go for him. Okay. All right. So we'll move on in terms of the other bits and pieces. Um, We've just a a couple of round-offs. Apparently, the AI improvement um, you've got listed down here from the Twitch questions, apparently um, AIs can now fly in atmosphere. Yep. That'll be interesting. Um, and, fly t- and fly quite well, and they fly quite nicely in canyons, and avoid high-gravity worlds. Well, hopefully, if Sarah Jane Avery is coming to LaveCon, then we can we can kind of quiz her about what she's done with them, because, um, you know, obviously she's she's the queen of AI programming, and, um, and you know, we can find out a bit more about uh, about what uh, what they're up to. Uh, maybe get some tips. Mr. Some minions. Yeah, maybe get some tips on, um, you know, how we how we beat them. SRV type's not for 2.1, so, you know, we're, we're still in the same buggies. But that's fine by me, because I've not driven a buggy yet, so it'll be all right. Um, I want a speeder bike. Uh, okay. Well, that, that, that's just a life choice, isn't it, really? And uh, modified weapons will actually be used by NPCs. That's cool. Control option screen gets a good revamp. Fine. Extended options for Xbox players and an update for both on the 26th, so today. So, yeah, so um, I think we saw that today, didn't we? We saw the servers go down. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. (laughs) Okay, fine, fine. Right, then, now, what you've got in the show notes here, Ben, is you've got main discussion. Now, (laughs) we're at 10 to 10, and we've kind of been through quite a lot, haven't we, really? 
I need a cup of tea. I don't know about you. Uh, you know, you, you might have to sit and suffer or, or make me talk on another <laughs> rant. And, and then obviously you can make a cup of tea, you know. Fairly sure anybody could make a cup of tea with the amount of time I take when I get going. Uh, it be fine. So what we have in Community Corner, we have... Uh, Obsidian Ant, Elite Dangerous Incoming, the Engineers, Surface Dogfights, Weapon Mods, and Graphic Upgrades. So what did you want to mention about Obsidian Ant, gentlemen? Oh, it's basically, the video. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a video. Vi- oh, I love Obsidian Ant. He does awesome work. He's, he's basically yeah. summarized everything. He summarized in 15 minutes everything we spent the past hour and a half talking about. <laughs> um, and yeah, obviously he's a great guy and he does awesome videos. And I just wanted to you know, basically say that because he's an awesome guy. Yeah, it's a good, you know, worth worth shouting out and uh, and you know and sort of making a point in terms of the way in which he does that. It does, you know, it's great. And and we've certainly seen he's collated an awful lot of information from lots of different sources at different times to you know to give his guide to the factions and the other bits and pieces. I think he's he's probably the best person in terms of knowing what information is out in terms of the way in which that works. So yeah. Then what have we got? Oh, you've got a mention here that Dobbo is back. Oh yeah, I think a bunch of us Dobbo basically went missing around about the new year, and right. there were a bunch of us wondering where he was because you know, he's in Dockers. He's he's known to the community fairly well. He's he's the guy with a very British accent and incredibly crazy hair. And one of, you know, a bunch one of, of the us, leaders of the the great first expedition, first great, isn't he? First great, yeah, he is indeed. And he he basically went missing around about the beginning of the new year, and nobody heard anything from him. And a lot of us were getting very worried about him. But basically, he he showed up again over the weekend, and he's been basically locked in a deep dark hole doing <laughs> development work. And Fair. he also um, had a and he also had a something issue, some issue with his phone, and lost numbers and changed numbers and things like that as well. Fair. Now, I I think I mean something that's worth mentioning here is that. When, when community groups around anything, around you know computer game, around uh, around a hobby, around you know a stuff, when that sort of starts, when you start getting people who you know find friends and start to to sort of bind together and and you know get to know each other, it is always you know it is always nice, and I I, I get you know I make a caveat here. It is, it is always nice when people worry about other people. Do you, do you know what I mean? You know, it it shows it's kind of a testimony, and this is not to say it's nice when people disappear, but it's nice when people when you realise that actually, you know, people in a community in a hobby that you perhaps don't see people more than once a year, uh, you maybe never see them, but when you don't see them online, when you don't see that regular contact, that people miss them, you know, and it is it is lovely that um, you know that we get some of that, and I think it's a testimony to the fact that we've been doing this now for three, four years, and actually people miss people. It's lovely. You know, it is lovely that, you know, that we actually mean that much to each other. You know, I, I, uh, I think the last time I was on here hosting, uh, a couple of you guys said to me afterwards was, oh, it was great to have you on, you know, which was lovely. So, of course, it makes it, you know, makes it all worthwhile in terms of what people do. So, yeah, fair play to Dobbo. Uh, good to see him again, and um, I'm glad that, uh, glad that he's, he's turned up. Yeah, it's nice to know that he's alive. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, right. Uh, what's the Sagittarius Carina mission then uh, that the first expedition are running? Tell me about that. Off you go, Ben. You're the expert on this one. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> way back when the first great expedition ran a Sagittarius Carina mission 
which is basically a large large scale mapping project that they're doing. Mm-hmm. And due to various reasons, I, I think it, it sort of stopped. Mm-hmm. And basically, they're, they're relaunching it. Is the short answer, short answer? Uh, they started up at the beginning of the month, and it seems to basically be going ongoing. Mm. And I think they're just—they're basically asking for people to come along and give them a hand. Well, I think their original—you know—when they they sort of got off the ground, their original goals were, you know, getting to the to the center of the universe first. Yeah. Uh, not center of the universe, center of the galaxy first. Doing doing you know the the kind of things, and of course then the game went live and somebody got there in like two days like or what have you. Yeah. Yeah, and it it kind of you know it. It demonstrated, but it also demonstrated that the infrastructure relating to Elite Dangerous at that point in time really wasn't there. In that, you know, yes, the game was feature complete, but you, now what we were talking about earlier about discovery, about beauty, about finding things, about reasons to find things, it's starting to become a lot more interesting as to why you go to places. You know, the fact that you can land on some of them and, and drive around and then get back up and, you know, and, and find rare things and, you know, and strange stuff and alien plants and so on and so forth. You know, there's so much more to discover. And actually, I think that much as the first great expedition was a great idea right at the start, now I think is probably the time when, you know, they're going to find that actually it's a much richer, um, richer experience trying to you know to get out there and, and do some of these things um i'd also um incidentally i'd plug this and i uh one thing i did for them is back way back when i wrote them a tune so um if uh, if anybody wants there is a, a tune up on soundcloud you can go and find it by uh, just searching for me on soundcloud um there's a great expedition tune up there it's on um on one of my albums uh which actually i, I wrote specifically for them to you know uh, is in homage to their vast fleet exploring the stars, which I thought was was a great idea at the time. Now I think going to be an even better idea because they've got lots to find, and now also graphical improvements to make it look all shinier as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, take take more uh, more photos and more more commanders logs, uh, not uh, not of the toiletry variety. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, What else have we got in Community Corner? Well, I'd like to just give a a quick mention to the the playtesting streams that me and Dave Hughes have been doing over the last four four weeks. Um, I'm pleased to say that I think we've now got the whole thing feature complete (laughs) Uh, after a a last bit of mad scrambling. Uh, And so I think... Not this weekend, but the weekend after, we will probably be running a couple of uh, the miniature games over the streams that we've been doing. So that we'll probably be going to invite a couple of uh, the members of the the role playing game backers, so that they can they can have a play about with this. Um, I'll of course be adjudicating, making sure that uh, none of them uh, when they they move with. I'll be moving the ships, so I know exactly where the ships are going to be. So effectively, they'll be giving the orders. I'll be doing all the all the donkey work, but the effect will still be the same. So I'm hoping that um, by the time we get to that, that will be the final uh, test of of the uh, the RPGs, ship to ship combat or vehicle rules. Uh, and I, I hope that people would be uh, 
inclined to join us. Sounds good. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, obviously it'd be nice to see the, uh, uh, the RPG and to see the, you know, the miniatures rules, um, you know, get on more. And, uh, and obviously we're hoping that you'll also be running some of the games and the, the other bits and pieces at LaveCon too. Yes. Um, well, let's see. At the moment I've got planned Armada. Uh, we've got X-Wing, um, including the, the latest, mm-hmm. the latest Forced Awakens packs. <laughs> and also, I'll be running the Elite Miniatures right. one as well. Um, if other people have war games that they want to bring along for the tabletop section, um, you're certainly welcome to bring them along. Fantastic. Um, I was hoping that um, Dark Souls would be out by then, but I don't think it's going to be ready, unfortunately. Mm. So, uh, I, I don't know. Anyway, I'll talk, I'll talk about that Kickstarter towards the end. <laughs> All right. Uh, now, next in the uh, in the show notes, I have a list of questions for Zach. Now, where were these folks? Were these questions that were uh, collated from the the live stream, or um, are they off of the forums? No, these are actually even more special and unique. Uh, if you remember, was it just last week that ah, it was on? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah. was just last week. Was it okay. Just, it, Time so, has flown. So these are questions that listeners posted to Zach that we've now got answers on, yes? Indeedy. Ah, uh, so I, I we, best read them down then, best and I, really, yeah? Yes. Off, off you go. I, I can do it well, don't worry. You can right? do it well, okay. I'll do, do it, no. I'll do it in a non-boring way, okay? Okay. I promise, okay? Questions for Zach. Okay, Commander Spike wants to know if he can have pink lasers come 2.1. No, nothing. Nothing in pink. But mining laser is close. No rainbows. Question two: Will there be improved in-game um, in-game player group support? Basically, guilds. Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Exclamation mark! Answer: No. Specific functionality in two point one. Longer term things they'd like to do, but no. Question three: Will there be wing missions? No, sir. <laughs> no, not in two point one. But nothing to talk about just now. Um, I, I, you know, and it says not in two point one, but there may be something later. But nothing to talk about right now. Uh, question four: Will player actions lead to procedurally generated missions, i.e., player A discovers something interesting, reports that to station B, station B irradiates, um, and radiating out starts generating missions relating to said found thing. Uh, I'm just reading what's there. I, it didn't quite make sense. So sorry about that. Um, answer. Guess what? No! <laughs> no, not in the way that, that this covers, but see the comments from Thursday 21st, plus see this Thursday stream. So obviously there's some, some more content there's there. There's something coming, yes. Question five. Please, can we have a reason to go to Ice Rings? Answer, yes! Hooray! Question six. Conflict zones are interesting locations. Answer, no, not in 2.1. <laughs> Ongoing process, maybe in the future. Question seven. Can we fly through asteroids? Also, really big asteroids. Answer, see the wish list. Question eight, more life in the universe, exclamation mark, i.e. ships preparing at stations, etc. Question, uh, answer, would love to have more life in certain ways. Some stuff Zach can't talk about. Also, stuff in 2.1, i.e. traffic lanes, etc. Ongoing process. Oh, God, it's grand cues. No. <laughs> Question nine, more tools to interact with the environment, i.e. with the barnacles. And then we can, all we can really do at the moment is shoot at them. Answer, watch this space for more things to do with barnacles. Okay, you know. There's a dangling carrot. Yeah, yeah, you know, more th- more things to do with your barnacles. 
<laughs> Lovely. And that's question, not a euphemism. Not at all. No, at all. Uh, yeah, question 10. Communicate with NPCs. I demand them to stand down. Answer. Definitely somewhere on the list and being considered. Okay. <laughs> question 11. Will we ever get a call for help implement feature? Answer. The chat view and the auto responses from the systems, and this will be updated in 2.1. A lot of thought on balance. Okay. Question 12. What does retreat mean for the BGS? BGS? Background Galaxy Simulation. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Uh, Michael Brooks will be talking about this quite shortly. That's a new one, quite shortly. Is that different to soon? Extremely soon? Quite shortly is next week. Okay. Uh, Question 13. More specific examples of change to crime and punishment, i.e. stations refusing to let you dock. Answer. Something the dev team have looked at and engaged quite deeply with uh, with the community for. However, this takes time. Okay. That's another way of seeing it's on the wish list. Yeah. Question 14. Will the AI cheat less? I.e. no more firing six beam lasers on at you from an eagle whilst next to a sun. Answer. The eagle doesn't cheat very much, even now. Only a very few instances of cheating, all done for gameplay, but for the most part the AI's equipment functions are the same as player characters. AI can overheat and does regulate itself. Yeah, okay. Mm. Uh, question 15 will there be improvements to the high level AI i.e. make Ridquat scary answer we'll see some we'll see some love in 2.1 is he talking about a different question I I don't know what's going on we'll see some love yeah the mistress has done a lot of work I'm assuming that's Sarah Jane Avery oh yes love your your work Sarah love your work Sarah just don't kill me (laughs) Uh, question 16 will we see more A or B uh, community goals, i.e. faction award uh, faction A wants to build a ship, faction B wants to stop that uh, answer, look at the dangerous games for good examples of tug of war community goals, this is kind of bauble plot to be fair isn't it you know, that's the, the thing I've talked about a couple of times where you try and put something out in the middle and you know, and there are competitive goals relating to it, so yeah interesting, so did I get through those okay, was that alright? Uh, yeah, I give you 7 out of 10 what about you? Okay. I think Jarvis is really the the ultimate decision maker on was a list boring. (laughs) But it was certainly damn sight better than my reading of a list. Seven out of ten from the weary judge. Okay. (laughs) Okay. You made me cowl. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So then we've got the discussion points from, uh, I, I assume this is from people who've uh, posted messages in for us that you've collated, Ben. Thank you. They are um, indeed. Commander Daddy Baddy. Wow. Yeah, you, you chose that, Ben. I have a discussion point. I didn't one... choose it. He chose it. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I was talking to the... You know, I wasn't saying that... Yeah, anyway. I have a discussion point for 1.06. How long do we think the Horizon season will be? If, say, 2.1 and 1.6 are released after beta in June, and we assume that season 3 starts in Xmas 2016... That means 2.2 and 2.3 and perhaps the unconfirmed 2.4 being squashed into six months. Hmm. Well, yes. This is one thing that we did actually ask Frontier about, to which we've got a very vague reply saying, well, we never said a season was a year. (laughs) Uh, uh, So, yeah, I I think it's... I mean, 2.1 has been a long time in coming. Um, and I think a lot of people have, have wavered, especially in the last couple of months, about you know what's going to happen because mm. of the lack of content that's, that's come up. I think half of the problem with uh, 2.1 is, is it's actually setting a lot of the groundwork for the other two. Yeah. I mean, I think it could be possible to get 
the other three releases in, but with my developer head on, <laughs> unless unless they've, they've got a lot further down the line than than uh, we know about, then I think I think we might be looking a little while longer. Well, it's than just a, this Christmas. It's also interesting that um, the term season is being mm-hmm. applied in a particular way because if you think about how take Zombie Side, right? Zombie Side releases a new game which is season two or season three. You know, now that is a uh, it's a play on words relating to television series, isn't it? You know, they're basically they're connecting a play on words, but it doesn't mean that they're going to release one every year. Now, I, I, th- I think it's interesting as to how the term is used, but Frontier would obviously like to be releasing these in equidistant moments, wouldn't they? But does it necessarily mean, if, if we end up with 2.2, 2.3, and 2.4 kind of being released all together, is that a problem? Because they're all adding features, aren't they? Oh, I've, I've got no particular problem with it. Um, I do think that... As a as a developer, if I if I do release a whole you know batch of features, I would like people to actually appreciate each of the individual features. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for you know, for instance, we're talking multi-crewed ships. I mean, that's mm. quite a biggie. You don't you don't want to mix that up with something else that's come in there. You want the people to focus on the multi-crew. Yeah, I, I guess so. But the only problem is is that you do end up if you're not careful, you end up in a dev cycle, which is three weeks of novelty followed by waiting for the next novelty. Do you see what I mean? Mm. And, and actually, you know, you probably don't want that either. You probably do want, if driving around in a buggy is, is, the, is this week's novelty, then once you've driven around in a buggy for a, a few weeks, then maybe you haven't got anywhere else to... Do you see what I mean? Well, I, I yeah, I mean you've got to break has... both cycles up. And I, I'm guessing once what you were talking about with missions, once you start to see sort of pathways of narrative out of missions, then that probably that will that will work a lot better. Ben, I think I think Alan's basically hit the nail on the head. But I'm just thinking, you know, what was it? One point one or one point two that we got wings, and one one that we got community goals. Yeah, and you know, they're things that we had that were core features over a year ago now, and they're still things I'm doing on a daily basis. I'm always trying to wing up with folk. And it's not a little gimmick. It's core functionality that we're using on a daily basis. And I think it's going to be exactly the same with our co-pilots, with our little, you know, we're going to be getting ships coming into our ships. And they're not going to be little <coughs> little gimmicks. It's going to be something that's, you know, for example, let's say you're flying a, oh, the Panther Clipper. And you can't land at an outpost, but because you're, you've got a ship in you, you can put some of your cargo into your little sidewinder and then dock your sidewinder at pad three in Hospital. Orbital. You know, uh, the, the, amount, the amount of euphemisms that were in that, that particular speech, Ben, it was tremendous. But yeah, I, I do try. I, I, totally, I totally get what you're saying. I think the issue is that sometimes when certain features are brought in, they've become novelty because they don't have enough backup to what they are. So, for example, the Orca is a novelty because the Orca doesn't have the, you know, the infrastructure that was supposed to accompany it, i.e. the passenger missions, the other bits and pieces that were there. Um, the, uh, I, I think, I think um, 
we've been okay with uh, driving around. Yeah, there is enough gameplay in driving around, and there is more gameplay coming into driving around. He says, uh, very conscious of the fact he's not done any driving around, um, <laughs> and has only only watched people driving around. But the you know the point is, some of these haven't necessarily had enough, and so you end up in a novelty cycle. And yeah, you know, I mean, as long as the infrastructure's there, and it obviously with two point one, that is the idea is that the infrastructure is laid out to allow for the other bits and pieces. And we saw Frontier doing that before because they talked about, David Braben talked about um, how Zoo Tycoon was um, essentially was uh, laying out coding bed for later on for Elite Dangerous, didn't he? You know, yes. um, which, which I think is great. So they're obviously, they're thinking that way. They do think strategically about what they're bringing in as well as thinking about what needs to be updated. We all know the missions need an update. You know, we really, really know and the missions need an update, um, you know. Oh, I think we know that Frontier are doing things like that because you know, look at the crowds that you're getting in Planet Coaster. Tell me you're not going to see them walking around stations and on planets sometime soon. Yeah, it'd be stupid for uh, somebody to develop, develop that kind of uh, technology and not implement it into what it, um, David yeah. Braben says is his... Is, is, uh, flagship game mm-hmm. okay so let's move down to glenn frank um when season three rolls out will people get all that is in horizons 2 with purchase of season three does not matter to me because i bought the lifetime but wondering i'm assuming yeah. you've paraphrased him slightly with uh, chopping no i haven't i've literally okay. copied and pasted exactly what he said okay okay fine um nice use of ellipses there glenn um so all right um you've listed a, a set of prices that is that your speculation there ben this is complete not a speculation <laughs> elite dangerous okay. walkies yeah 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 <laughs> i was you don't think was that... <laughs> exactly <laughs> yes ben ben has called walking around on planets walkies just if anybody is wondering and also we have elite dangerous other stuff I'm assuming that's season four, uh, and Elite Dangerous Mongo Pack, which I'm assuming, uh, assuming is you know is the whole bundle. But uh, but yeah. yeah, okay. So um, yeah, no, I mean, I I would guess that because this is an ongoing updating process, Frontier will be looking, and they you know we know that in other instances they've looked uh, to other computer games and other games companies as a guide. You know they've looked at where these upgrades are essential. They've looked at where these upgrades are, you know, part of just the ongoing game. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, if you want to get around in your buggy, then you've got to buy the Horizons pack. And I think that's probably going to stay the same, isn't it? So you may well find that other, you know, um, other add-ons in terms of uh, feature, feature tasks, feature actions, feature things that people can do are going to be discrete, aren't they? They're going to be discrete to a particular uh, particular pack. Um, but uh, over time, those things always seem to, you know, depreciate. Well, yeah, I mean, one thing that, uh, that you see in the gaming industry is sort of last year's game is always cut price mm-hmm. compared to, to this year's game. Say, for instance, you can know, you know if I'd gone out and bought all the DLC and everything that came with the original, say, Batman mm-hmm. Arkham, Asylum, it would have cost me an absolute fortune. A year later, you can pick it up off Steam for a tenner. Mm. So 
the way that I see it is that I think every year or every season you'll get a, a full price expansion, which um, judging by this year was 20, 25 quid. But if you have the older versions, then you can probably upgrade a lot cheaper. If you see yeah. what I mean. Yeah, that sounds... Why, why do you think that? Because we didn't exactly upgrade to Horizons cheaper because we already had Elite Dangerous normal. Well, no, I think... Well, there was... A, <laughs> it's, it was a one heck of a shock, I think, uh, for a lot of other people when they actually came out with the original pricing for Horizons. Um, and I think Frontier have learned that lesson because um, I had a whole load of friends who I had introduced them to Elite Dangerous, but they, of course they weren't backers, so they, they didn't. Unlike us, they don't have the uh, the lifetime pack. Yeah, uh, and they were just there going, "I am not spending that much money on mm. that upgrade. I can't. I, I, I can't just basically can't justify it." And now that you know the price has dropped down to that DLC expansion, and that the uh, the actual upgrade model has been streamlined, I'm finding a lot of these people who are saying, "I can't justify it." Now that they're seeing the hype coming in with 2.1, uh, they're beginning to think, oh, right, actually I might be able to take a punt at it now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, it does, and certainly speaking from my own experience here, I, I tend to find these days that actually computer games are about when I've got time to play them. And so owning things, you might see something that, that you really like, you want to buy, you want to be you know, sort of involved in, um, and actually, you end up buying it later. You buy it later because you know you know you're not going to have time to to play it until that point. And then there's there's obviously there's a discount to it. Now the difference is, of course, is that something like Elite for me was obviously was a a, a choice based on nostalgia and, and desperation for it to succeed. Mm. So so you know the the entire purchase is different. But if I'm thinking of games like what did Chris recommend to the other the other day, Invisible Ink. You know, I bought Invisible Ink, obviously, on a discount. Someone recommended uh, Shadowrun to me, and I'd wanted to get it for a long time. Ended up buying it on a discount because it's been a long time, and I knew I wouldn't have time to play it. And, you know, and now coming back, and I know you guys have all been playing XCOM 2, whereas actually I'm playing XCOM 1, and, you know, I'm playing XCOM 1 because I never finished it the first time around. So, you know, you do. You, you go through periods, don't you? So, yeah, I, you know, I mean, I, I think anything that encourages people to play the game is good. And if Frontier are in a situation where they can, they can discount these things, then that, that's up to them, isn't it, in terms of the way in which they put it through. I would assume there's going to be a depreciation, you know, because I think that encourages a, a new clientele. It's also, you know, remember that the, there's a hardware requirement. So, of course, yes. as the hardware requirement depreciates as well. And we've, we've talked a bit about Frontier being very good about legacy in terms of hardware requirement and, you know, and trying to support people who don't have the up-to-the-minute machines. We know that Michael Brooks's computer was basically their, their minimum, wasn't it, for a long time. Michael Brooks, uh, you know, if it would run on Michael Brooks's computer, <laughs> then that was basically, that was their uh, bench spec minimum. I think it's exceeded that by now, or he's got a new computer. But, um, the the point being is that they are very good at, at kind of supporting legacy, and I think that the more the more hardware spec comes down, the more you're going to see you know, that support of legacy continue and evolve to try and keep people and to, to keep different types of people who don't necessarily go for the cutting edge computer systems, um, which I think is good, you know. 
Yeah, well, I'm one of them at the moment. <laughs> just sort of, <laughs> I know that there's not going to be a graphic upgrade on this computer for a little while yet. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think I think it's we're all in all in that park at the moment. Um, you know, we we'll have to see how uh, see how the purse strings go, won't we? Uh, for me, at the moment, it's new cars and tires on cars. And anyway, okay. So, uh, anything else on that? No, I, th- I think I think covered it. <laughs> Good, all right, so things in the shout-outs then. So to start with, the Elite Dangerous official YouTube channel is on at 7 p.m. on Thursday. Um, They are doing the Engineers Beta Livestream Part 2, so please do join them for that a couple of days away. And obviously, uh, Abrica Travel is on Friday and, uh, you know, other things going on too, but, uh, but yeah, they're obviously interested in that. And three years of abracadabra now. Wow. Wowee. That's <laughs> amazing. It's amazing. People That's been, scary. People have been writing. Like to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I, I don't think, have, have you beaten the, the, the pew pew hundred word story yet? Uh, you know, I, I, I oh, know. <laughs> we've had a honk, scoop, 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 jump, scoop, honk, scoop. Oh, it was bad. <laughs> Mr. Hanky. Oh, good fun. So, uh, other shout-outs. Uncle Art the Film. This is the film about uh, Dave Lowe and his career uh, in computer game music um, and the the Abbey Road recording of uh, the Frontier theme uh, has now passed its goal of £8,000 and it ends on Thursday. So, Excellent. fantastic. They've got a stretch goal um, and... This is this has been. I, I'm assuming this has been passed to us. So I will, I will read it as I can. Okay. So I have to be careful how I word this, as I can't give too much away without spoiling it. We want to do an extra segment in the film that will involve a part of a certain person's history. No prizes for guessing who. No, it's not me. Okay. And it's a corker. But we need to buy the rights to the footage. This is going to cost an extra £2,500 for commercial use. So if we reach 10500 by Thursday night, we can buy this, and it'll be truly awesome. Also, if we can raise the extra cash, we've secured a location to film in, which is almost as exciting as this. It involves somewhere Charlie Chaplin used to live. I know this seems a bit cloak and dagger, but when you see the segments in the finished film, you'll immediately understand the reason for the secrecy, and know that you made it possible. If we can do this, it's going to add extra footage to the film, which had previously been thought lost. It would also raise the film's exposure even more and push it out to an even wider audience. That could be really, really good. So, yeah, uh, once again, want to say a massive thanks to everyone for your support. Still two days to go, so let's see where this can take us. So, yeah, so if you haven't seen the Uncle Art Kickstarter, it is over there on Kickstarter. Just go search for Uncle Art the Film. Um, we already know, obviously, the, um, the the music tracks and everything else are, you know, are in process, waiting to hear you know, when that's, that's going to be released. Um, as some of you know, I went to the Abbey Road uh, recording. It was amazing. So, yeah, um, all very, very cool. Uh, in terms of what's there, Grant is typing. I'll I'll let Grant type. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, tinyurl.com slash uncleartfilm. Thank you, Grant. Uh, back on to the next thing. Other shout-outs for this evening. So, uh, shout-out from all of us. And I was talking a bit about community earlier and uh, friends in the community and what have you. And he's a controversial name, 
but Commander Yan. Commander Yan, Commander Yan's going through it a little bit at the moment. We know you're out there, Commander Yan. We know you're, you're struggling. We know you've got stuff going on, and it's pretty tough. Some real-life issues. Um, we're with you. We're thinking of you. And, uh, you know, those that know, those that, uh, those that are, you know, uh, sort of knowledgeable about it, we're thinking of you, and hopefully you can get through. Sorry if that's a bit vague, gentlemen, but um, uh, it's important that it is, and it's certainly heartfelt. And we have from Foz, who has, uh, has typed in whilst uh, uh, adventuring for the Lave Radio Network. Can we have a shout-out for Commander Sassimin for helping Foz do a stealing mission for the Lave Radio Network? Uh, so, obviously, he's, he's managed to, to help. So, well done, Commander Sassimin. Um, I'm sure Foz could have handled it on his own, just smacked no, people couldn't. with his trusty wrench. No, no, he couldn't. No, nope. okay. No, Definitely needs freezer. to help. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and anything else? Uh, no, I don't think so. So, um, something I'm going to say, um, small shout out, and I'm going to be selfish in this regard. So, today, I finished the first book in the Chaos Reborn official fiction trilogy. That's the Death of Gods trilogy. It's Dreams of Chaos. And I'm hoping to get that out in the next couple of weeks. Um, what went out today to Kickstarter backers of Chaos Reborn was the Lawmaster's Guide, which is available. Um, it, it will be going into an update for the game, so it will be downloadable content on Steam, and it will also be going onto the Chaos Reborn website. And that basically, and I'll be frank here, that is the, a write-up of all the law material that I wrote for Chaos Reborn. If I'd had the opportunity, it would have been the thing I would have probably done with the Elite Dangerous material. Um, thankfully, you know, with working with Snapshot, um, obviously they, you know, different sort of uh, setup and, uh, and different priorities and different things that they're up to. Um, I've been able to get that work out, which is wonderful. Um, and we've got this this very very uh, glossy lawmaster's guide and a pdf which will be you know will be available to download will be there for for people to take for free and they can read it through there's some stories in it there's some background in it there's some beautiful artwork the guy sebi who does the artwork for snapshot games is amazing um so yeah some absolutely beautiful artwork it was a real privilege to write stuff that he was illustrating you know real real privilege so please do go and check that out it's going to appear over on www.chaos-reborn.com and I'm sure the fiction will be fairly prominent there. Or you can just, if you've got a copy of the game, just get the update when it comes through in the next couple of weeks. So, yeah. And any other shout-outs, gentlemen? Don't think so? No? Not from me. Nope. No, good. Right. That's it for another episode of Lave Radio. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, then you can email us at info at laveradio.com. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook slash Lave Radio, at Lave Radio on Twitter, or you can join the Discord chat channel by going to http colon slash slash tinyurl.com slash Lave Radio. Or you can join our TeamSpeak server where commanders come to hang out and chat, laveradio.teamspeak3.com. Lave Radio is recorded live on a Tuesday evening, I tonight, at 8.30 p.m. and streamed out on http colon slash slash laveradio.com slash live slash 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 slash. Make me want to go to the loo. Oh, sorry. Thank you to everybody else. Thank you to Ben. Thank you to Colin. Thanks for having me. Thank you to Grant. Uh, thanks for putting up with Commander Clueless. 
Sorry if I, you know, completely sound like I don't know anything about what I'm talking about. My hope, my hope, hope, because I'm on a research sabbatical, is to try to get some time to actually play Elite Dangerous in the next week or so. Thank you to all the commanders that joined us outside Lave Station. Do we have any notables that anybody wants to say hi to? No? I want to say hi to Ashley Wilkinson for thanking and just thank them for letting me get back in the in the wing um, to let me get back into the instance again. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, All right. Yeah. And on that note, until next time, fly safe. And if you can't do that, fly dangerous. Two seconds, I'll be right back.